We are going to be in the book of Joshua chapter 3 one more time. We will read verse number 17. Joshua chapter 3, and uh, this is the final installment of Onward Christian Soldiers. We are calling this one Farewell Wilderness. Amen. Uh, shortly put, it's time to move on. Amen. It is time to move on to God's best and brightest for the church. Tired of stagnation, tired of eating wilderness dust, tired of spinning wheels, walking around in circles, amen, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Somebody say amen right there. And uh, ready to see a move of God, a fresh and relevant move of God, amen. Joshua 3.17, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. That's a miracle in and of itself. Amen. And I love how the Lord often uh, graces us with a strong sense of His presence and power to earmark those moments in our mind as divinely inspired moments. Amen. Uh, he does the same for you and I often. He will do something that is out of the ordinary to get our attention. Amen. And so you need to pay attention when God is doing things that are out of the normal because He wants you to remember that it is, it is He who is moving. Amen. That it, this is His work that this is what he wants done. And so that's what he was doing here. Uh, he gave them dry ground to walk on. And the Bible said all the Israelites, how many? All. Amen. No child left behind, right? No child of God left behind. That would be a good sermon in and of itself. All the Israelites passed over on dry ground until how many? All the people were passed clean over Jordan. So not only did they all step down into the riverbed that was dry, but they all made it across. And I believe that's what God wants for each and every one of us here at Washington Heights Baptist Church. Uh, he doesn't want us leaving any of our brothers and sisters behind. He wants all of us to make progress together as we serve God together somebody say amen and so uh, we have talked about in review the final lodging before they crossed over we dealt with the tip of uh, the type of death burial and resurrection that the believer goes through dying to self burying the past so that we can be then raised again in newness of life and vision and focus for what God has for us we talked about following the Lord uh, two weeks ago Sunday night uh, we talked about getting direction. We talked about the importance for discernment. We talked about divine order. And then tonight, we want to talk about the fruitful land. A fruitful land. Look at verse 17 again. The last part, it says, All the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. So the moment their feet hit dirt on the other side of Jordan they were standing in a fruitful land that had been long promised to the people of God but how many of you know that this was not the end of all of their struggles this was just a new chapter 
in their lives. And it's, it's noteworthy to mention that when God begins to do a new thing and He turns the page in your life, in your ministry, in your church, in your uh, family or what have you, uh, sometimes uh, it is a transition that eases uh, some of the burden and some of the load and and sometimes it's just a weight shift, meaning you still have battles to face and you still have mountains to climb and you still have obstacles to overcome, but they're different here. Amen. And so they're going into a new phase of ministry that's going to require a different focus and a different level of commitment. Amen. But I do want to point out three things about this fruitful land first. This is a land of rest. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 13, the Bible said, I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye eat. Amen. Basically, God, there comes a time in the life of each believer that we must learn how to enter into God's work. That is, we quit relying so much on our own feeble efforts to get things done, and we start relying upon God's promises and God's power to work on our behalf. Amen? Uh, and, and so this, in, in a sense, is a land of rest. Do you remember one time in Jesus' earthly ministry when, when the Lord uh, told the disciples, said, let us go into a desert place and rest a while? And wouldn't you know, while they were there, quote-unquote, resting, they fed a multitude of exceeding 5,000 people. Now, i got a question for you. How can they both rest and feed over 5,000 people at the same time? Here's how you do it. When God does the working. Amen. Did they literally provide that much food for that many people? No. All they simply did was put those, little, uh, those few fishes and bread into the hands of the Savior. And then they stood in line to pass it out as God multiplied it. So who really did the work? Was it the disciples or was it the Lord? Amen. God will allow you to participate in His work, but it is He, mark my words, it is He that gets the job accomplished. Amen. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Amen. So there is labor on our part, but our labor is not to get the job done. Our labor is to facilitate God's work. Amen. And if we will be obedient and walk in faith, God's work will get done. And God will do more while we are in a state of rest than we could do when we're in a state of frenzy trying to work ourselves to the bare bones. Amen. And so it is a land of rest in that they are learning to trust in God's promises. Of course they had giants to face. Of course they had cities to overtake. But they did so at the command of the Lord. And many times uh, they would do things such as march around walls a few days and shout. And then the walls would collapse and God would give them the city. How much of that could they really take credit for? Come on. Amen. And so it was a land of rest in that they was leaning upon God's work to accomplish what was being accomplished. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he hath also seized from his own works 
as God did from His. And it would do every church in America some good to figure out what is a work of God versus what is a work of man. Amen. And if we could learn how to facilitate and participate in what God deems a work of the Lord, then things would pick up around the house of God. I'm afraid that many, too many times we end up like Martha, being cumbered about much with much business uh, and forsake spending the needed time at Jesus' feet so that we can rest and get what we need from Him while He makes sure everything else is being met at the same time. Amen. After all, He did say, cast all your care upon me. Amen. Casting all your care on him for he careth for you. That means we've got to do a transfer of responsibility. Understanding that if God don't do it, it really won't get done. Amen. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let me put it in redneck terms. Work hard at resting. Amen. Ain't that good? Let us labor therefore to enter into rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So this signifies the abundant life Christ provides through His grace. It's not a dread, but a joy to serve Christ, because salvation's work is complete. Amen. I'm learning more and more about this work of God, uh, that... uh, God started this work way before I showed up on the scene and he will finish his work way after I'm dead and gone. Amen. And and God really don't need me, but he wants me in his work. So I I counted a privilege and a blessing that I was even invited to the party. Amen. That he would even let me at least pretend like I'm doing something. Amen. But the truth is it's not me, it's the Lord. And it's not you, it's the Lord that's doing the work. And if we'll learn to enter into his work then we won't be so worked up and exhausted. If you want to learn how to avoid burnout in ministry, learn how to operate in the strength and in the joy of the Lord. For it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. I mean, look at the children of Israel moving into a promised land where they're moving into houses they didn't have to build. They're eating from gardens that they didn't have to plow and plant and work. Amen. I mean, God's got it all laid out for them short of just a few battles that they need to listen for his voice on how to win. Amen. And and, and look, we've got everything that we need short of listening for God's specific instructions and following by faith in steps of obedience and watching God finish what he started in our lives. Amen. The Bible says, He that hath begun a good work and you shall perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. And so you don't have to burn out in ministry. You don't have to get exhausted in ministry if you will learn how to enter into His rest. And when God rests, it's not uh, because, uh, uh, let's see here, I want to make sure I get this right. God, the Bible said He rested on the seventh day, right? He rested not because He was tired. He rested because He was done. Amen. (laughs) Ain't that good? And sometimes we're trying to get things done in the energy of the flesh. And God says, if you'll quit doing that and let me teach you. What He said, uh, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Amen. And, uh, And I've learned this. You will get more accomplished 
doing nothing but sitting at the feet of Jesus and talking to him about all your troubles than you could ever get done trying to fix all your problems without consulting the Lord. Amen. And, and it's a transfer of responsibility. So it needs to become a land of rest. That is when we decide that we're going to cross over, looking for a place to cross, going into that place of prominent significance and divine purpose for us as a church and as individuals following Jesus, we need to learn how to rely solely and entirely on the power of God to get anything done. Amen. So this is a land of rest, but not only that, I want to say it's a land of responsibility. Uh, before we get too carried away and pull out our hammocks and tie them up and lay back and say, okay, I'm on easy street now, there's no responsibility. Uh, hold on now, we didn't say you didn't have to do anything. Amen? Uh, look at your Bible, Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Still going to have to serve him. Still going to have to be held responsible to the book. God ain't interested in spoiling you to the point to where you don't lift a finger of gratitude or service to him. Amen. And so many times God blesses us, and then we forget where our blessings come from. As Randall Boatner would say, you might as well nod your heads up and down and say, Amen. God help us to remember our responsibility, even though it is a work of God. Joshua 5.12 says, And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. There was a transition. They no longer walked outside and found bread laying on the ground that heaven rained down for them. Now they have to go out and eat of the fruit of the land. So God is beginning to teach them personal responsibility in going and receiving what He has laid out for them. And so just because it is a gift doesn't mean you shouldn't, that there's nothing you should do to receive the gift. Amen. I can buy you something. I can, uh, I can say come to my house and it's all yours. But if you never get up and come to my house, you'll likely never get it. Amen. Because that was the only stipulation is you got to come get it. I want you to know that God has many things that the church experience can offer in today's world if we're willing to go after it the Canaan land the only stipulation was that they had to go after it and trust God during the process to give them wisdom on a minute by minute basis it really is just teaching us how to discern listen to and obey the voice of God moment by moment in our lives amen and let me tell you this we have the responsibility of Hearing and obeying the Word of God, that never ceases. That is always a responsibility that we have. We are blessed not to squander it, but to spread it. Amen. We are blessed not to hoard it, but to share it with the world. And so it is our responsibility to take this gospel message to the regions uh, beyond. Amen. 1 Corinthians 4.12 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 
A steward is a manager. Any of you that have ever managed uh, a business, uh, or even if you've had to manage your house, you mothers say amen, uh, you know that if you don't do it, it won't get done. If managers don't manage, it won't get managed, right? And, and that's the requirement of stewards. Any of you that have been managers understand that when you have those responsibilities, they're, they're there staring at you whether you decide to take a day off or not. Amen? In other words, it's got to be done. It's a responsibility. And God help us as a church, while we are enjoying a move of God, while we are witnessing a move of God, not to take it for granted. Amen? To realize that God expects us to respond to His Word in faith and obedience at all times, no matter what He is doing without us. Amen, church? So it is a land of responsibility. It is a land of rest. And lastly, I want to say it is a land of remembrance. Let's go back to chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible said, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. And take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And so it's a land of remembrance. That is, and we, I know we preached this morning, and we made a statement this morning. We said that we are not here to build memorials but we're here to build momentum so let me clarify what this is teaching us in joshua god wants to do something so significant and so magnificent amongst us that the future generations will still be talking about what god did and future generations will have earmarks that will point them back to the way that got them the blessings that they that, that got us the blessings that we got amen and, and, and listen, uh, what we want to do is we want to build a legacy. A legacy is different than a memorial because a legacy is for future generations. A legacy is passing on the baton of faith to the next generation so that they can uh, pick up and continue in the momentum of the move of God that He started in our lives. Amen. It's not a monument so much in, in the church age as it is a momentum and legacy. But nonetheless, God will do some things if we will allow Him that this generation will leave as a legacy for the next generation as a testimony of not only what God did do, but what God is yet able to do and what God is willing to do. Amen? And I want this next generation to know that they can have a move of God for their generation. 
Amen. That we don't, we're not so stuck in the archives of yesterday that the only remnants left of a move of God is what's in the history books. That God still moves in the earth right here and right now, and He wants to do a great and mighty thing in your life. Amen. If we can remember that about God, that God is a very present help in trouble. Amen. What should we take away from what we remember God doing? What we should take away from that is that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that what God did do, He shall do, and He can do, and He will do for those that ask Him. Somebody say amen right there. And so this is a fruitful land. It's a land of responsibility, a land of rest, and a land of remembrance. So in conclusion, I want to look back at Joshua 24 and verse number 15, uh, where the Bible said, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But here's what Joshua concluded. And many of you have this on your wall in your home. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. But now we're going to have to say farewell to the wilderness. Amen. If we're going to maximize our impact, for Jesus Christ. That may be a series coming up on maximizing your impact. Amen. That's what we want to do. We want to ask God to help us. And uh, we want to ask God to get involved. And not only get involved but take over. Amen. Uh, the more I learn about God the more I realize how little I know about Him. <laughs> Amen. The, the bigger He gets to me the smaller I get to myself. I'm just like whoa. I just thought I knew some things. I, I remember when I was young and cocky in ministry, I thought I could, I, you know, bring, bring revival in a suitcase until I had a few, uh, a few there's a few times they, the old devil gave me a beating, amen, and showed me, uh, showed me who was boss. And I had to learn, you know, that uh, when you rely on yourself, uh, you're, asking, you're cruising for a bruising, amen. And so uh, we have to learn this. That it's not us, it's the Lord. And, uh, and when our egos shrink and our self-perception shrinks, amen, and Jesus is exalted in our focus, in our vision, in our purpose for living, then and only then can we say goodbye to the wilderness and see God do what God really wants, wanted to do to start with in our lives, amen. And, uh, and just for fun, I want to read something that, Zig Ziglar wrote and I know this ain't in the Bible but uh, this is really tremendous and I, 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 I think that these are all biblical principles or I wouldn't read this uh, how many of you ever read Zig Ziglar's book on see you at the top Any, anybody in here we got one uh, he, he's a motivational speaker he was also a sold out born again believer and he shared Jesus every way he could uh, and I want to read this for you in closing. And I want you to think about this because I think all of us should seek the top of our experience with God. Don't you want to have as much as you can have of God? Experience as much of God's power, presence, and blessing in your life as you can while you're living 
on this planet? Well, don't you want to make the greatest impact for Jesus that you can possibly make? Amen. And here's what Zig Ziglar said. He said, you clearly understand when you're at the top, you know you're at the top when you clearly understand that failure is an event, not a person, that yesterday ended last night, and today is your brand new day. Somebody say amen right there. That's pretty good, ain't it? He said, you know you're at the top when you have made friends with your past, are focused on the present, and optimistic about your future. When you know that success doesn't make you and failure doesn't break you. You know you're at the top when you're filled with faith, hope, and love, and live without anger, greed, guilt, envy, or thoughts of revenge. You know you're at the top when you're mature enough to delay gratification and shift your focus from your rights to your responsibilities. He said, you know you're at the top when you know that failure to stand for what is morally right is the prelude to being the victim of what is criminally wrong. You know you're at the top when you are secure in who you are. So you are at peace with God and in fellowship with man. You know you're at the top when you have made friends of your adversaries and have gained the love and respect of those who know you best. Because the Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. He said you're at the top when you understand that others can give you pleasure but genuine happiness comes when you do things for others. He said, you know, you're at the top when you are pleasant to the grouch, courteous to the rude, and generous to the needy. That's pretty good. Uh, when you love the unlovable, give hope to the hopeless, friendship to the friendless, and encouragement to the discouraged. When you can look back in forgiveness, forward in hope, down in compassion and up with gratitude. When you know that he who would be the greatest among you must become the servant of all. When you recognize, confess, develop, and use your God-given physical, mental, and spiritual abilities to the glory of God and for the benefit of mankind. And when you can stand in front of the creator of the universe and he says to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's pretty good summation, isn't it? And uh, I thought that would be fitting to close out this focus that we've had on what we called onward Christian soldiers. Amen. God can help us find a pathway forward and achieve what others might deem impossibilities because God is at the helm of our ship. Amen, church.